Hello and welcome to Eurovision in Isolation and the year is 2003. We are in Riga for Eurovision 2003 in the Skonto Hall, hosted by Marie N and Renaz Kalpers. Before we get on with that, this is our first podcast released after the date of Eurovision 2020. So, boys, what did we think of uh, all of the television content for Eurovision this year? Shine a light was terrible, wasn't it? It was really dreary. It, it felt very like first week of lockdown for me, if that makes sense. I was sort of going like, I kind of want to be cheered up more than doomed and gloomed a bit more. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. I thought Shine a Light was shitting awful. So also the, the British public, they always let you down, don't they, with, you know, what's the best ever Eurovision song? Oh, it's ABBA. Wicked. Yeah, it, I mean, literally, even if people didn't like the result, it was the dullest result. It's they're like, oh, who cares? Interestingly, they did reveal the sort of placings, if not the votes cast for the rest of them. In second place was Conchita Burst. And in third place, I think it was Euphoria. So um, there you go. British public only correct in uh, allocating third place to the first place song. Last on the list, unfortunately, as well, was Ooh Art Just a Little Bit by Gina G, which feels harsh considering what a chart hit that was. But there we go. So that's enough of Eurovision 2020 because we are here to discuss Eurovision 2003. What do we have about the year 2003? Well, the five of us all started secondary school that year. So that feels like an opportune moment to introduce. Like SARS, he's currently very relevant. It's Alex Smith. Hi, Phil. Like the massive heat wave hitting Europe that summer, he's hot, hot, hot. It's Dan Irvin. Hello again, Phil. Like the Iraq war, at least some people think he was right. It's Minnie Meyer. Hi, Phil. <laughs> and like the birth of Jojo Siwa, oh God, we've all suffered for this. It's Simon Rickenback. Hi, Phil. So, 2003's Eurovision, at least in this country, will only ever be remembered for one thing. So, we have to address it. First song tonight is from the UK. This is Gemini with their seminal hit, Cry Baby. Alex, over to you. Thank you, Phil. And indeed, well, here we go. We've seen Gemini's seminal hit, Cry Baby, too many times. It's, it's always fresh in the memory around this time of the year because newscasters, bloggers, Twitter always dredges up the entry, this entry, the UK's at the time worst entry in Eurovision. 
Still, yeah. still the worst entry. Still the only Nilpois for the UK. Um, so we we've seen it before. It's off key. It's a couple of townies dressed for a mid noughties night out in London. Gene Chain included on the bloke. Yeah. Um, who you know it looks like they've cleared the dance floor at an Oceana's to do a routine. Um, it's basic. It's village. It's quite poor. It's got serious kind of, you know, bride and groom at a wedding still think they can sing. So they're going to do a sort of pre-prepared sing-along at the wedding reception. And no one's told them they're not, they're not very good. Spoilers to anyone listening to this for the first time, but we know how it ends. Having looked at this and others, I think it's a little bit hard done by. It's not good, but as we'll hear shortly, it's not much worse than some of the other dross from the year 2003. Uh, Minnie, what did you make of this one? Yeah, I mean, it's clear that there are bigger issues than the technical difficulties that they supposedly had. The clothes are awful. He looks like Patrick Hilty grabbed his dad's jeans by mistake. Uh, <laughs> there's a key change. I use the word loosely because that implies there's an original key that they were singing in. Yeah. You gave us the performance from the National Selection as well to compare. Yeah. And it became clear that they just can't sing. They're not as hockey in that, but they're still off, which leaves me in a weird position where I'm critiquing a song where I've still not actually heard the tune. It is slightly better than on stage, but truth be told, I have to agree with you. We are told time and time again that Gemini are off key for um, Eurovision 2003. Well, if they were, they were off key for an awful lot of the times they were recorded because it is it doesn't sound good at any point in time, does it? But I do agree with Alex as well. Like it compared to a lot of the stuff uh, that we're listening to tonight, and frankly, on the whole show, I don't think it stands up as badly as we think it looks when we watch it on its own. If that makes sense, uh, Simon, what did you reckon? It does look a bit like a, a children's TV presenter that's doing some sort of challenge, doesn't he? It, it's like his first episode of Blue Peter. Write and sing a composition within 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah comic relief challenge. Kind yes. of, you know, Blue Peter presenter and the girl from Newsround are going are gonna to do a little number to raise some money on comic relief. Yeah. The other thing that pissed me off about this was that the backing vocalists at Eurovision are also shit. Like, they, they've... The people that are literally paid just to stand there and sing are not much better than the the front people that have to sort of move about and stuff. And I just thought that was the really damning part of it. Okay, Let, let's take out the really terrible performance of it. In the context of 2003, how do we think the song does? I'd just like to say uh, that unlike everyone else, I hadn't heard this song before. I didn't know about the Nilpois. I, just, I came at this with fresh eyes and... I don't think it's that bad. I Sorry, just just to clarify, before you go on, you hadn't heard of Gemini getting the nil point. You're a no. panellist on the Eurovision in Isolation podcast, and you didn't know that in 2003 we got the nil point. In fact, I even I, introduced the podcast in the first episode by saying that. Yeah, and I noted that. I noted down Gemini. <laughs> We've had what, a nil what, is, what is that? Oh, I don't know. Shit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, you know, I'd like to think of myself as a bit more of a, an everyman's panellist, I think. I don't come here claiming to know everything about Eurovision, and... And this, for me, this is probably a little bit before my time. I think the first one I watched is about 2005-ish, um, although I, I can't pinpoint it exactly. But so, 
Yeah, I, I think it's all right for 2003. This is, you know, it's not a great selection of songs that we're looking at here. And it actually comes across all right. I do think they made some odd choices in the final compared to the national that, you know, somebody obviously took them aside after they won the national final and said, uh, you, you, you need to wear uh, a lot less clothes and uh, you, you need to look, look a bit more like a knobhead. And uh, together, you can need to come together and do some grotesque kind of gyrating on the stage during the final chorus. Um, but all that said, it's not that bad. I find it interesting that for years and years, I thought, and I'm sure I'd heard it somewhere, I thought these two were, were twins, I think because their, their name is Gemini, and that would make sense. Turns out they're not. They, they met at stage school. And the reason they're called Gemini is that her name is Gemma, and it's a bad pun. Gem and I. Maybe that's why we got Nil Poir. Yeah, I think so. I think that's worse than the performance. <laughs> or, indeed, did we get Nil Poir as Terry Wogan, rest in peace, Terry, uh, mooted on the night because of our involvement with the Iraq war? Now, I'm going to preempt Simon, because it's normally Simon that does the Middle East peace process conflict stuff. But I'm going to preempt him here because, as it happens, I'm actually reading a book about George Bush biography by uh, Jean Wood Smith. As does it mention Gemini? And it does. It says, as a direct result of um, the war coalition's efforts in Iraq, uh, the UK got nil point. You've been chosen three. No, it doesn't say that. Um, <laughs> I think Terry Wogan was. I'm going to. I'm going to go out on, on a limb here, and as I think, I think Terry Wogan was right. I think this was backlash for the whole post 9/11 going into Iraq conflict, the, U- the UK and the US stood alone in their sort of unequivocal uh, and unilateral support for the war. So many European countries were against it. So many European countries were flabbergasted with the US um, you know, backing away from various human rights conventions around torture, around treatment of prisoners of war. I know Eurovision, uh, a conflict has no place rather in Eurovision, but I... I'm more sure than ever that we were feeling the repercussions of a very, very sketchy and frankly embarrassing position on the world stage with our with our unequivocal support of uh, a Bush in the Iraq war. Uh, and I think I think that definitely contributed. OK, uh, I'm going to open the floor up on that point. Do we think Gemini were bad enough to come last and get nil point, Or do we think the external politics maybe has played a part? I think the fact that they're completely off-key all the way through is an important factor. Because you get a lot of dodgy singing in Eurovision. Maybe people can't reach a couple of notes here and there. But it's hard to think of another case where they're just completely off-base for the duration. <laughs> it's hard to see why you'd vote for them in those circumstances. Yeah. Uh, for my money, you know, obviously Iraq won't have helped, but how much better would they have done without Iraq? Probably not a lot better. Um, yeah, that as Minnie says, I think the fact that they were out of key for so long in that song is is the main abiding memory. That's the thing that you take away from this song. Um, I've heard someone talk about sort of having an anchor in in your performance that's something that you, the show the song is remembered for whether it's the little floating balloon boy or the snow or the really lovely singing or the really painfully long high note i think 
this song was remembered for being out of key. And in that sense, that is not something that anyone's picking up the, the phone for. Um, let's come to everyone's favourite format point. It's the do's and nil poise. So, do's poise. Any do's poise in the room? Holding out hope that Gemini finally pick up a point. Here we go. Get on board the hate train, fellas. This is 12 points for me. Uh, I didn't think, to be honest, this 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 week it wasn't particularly strong. So the, the standard to get to 12 points is not particularly high. But I've already said I don't think it's as bad as other people did. And I came into this without any, any thoughts. I didn't know how it placed or anything like that. Uh, and at, at the end of the, the video, the, the, there's a German announcer who describes it as ein Euro-Disco-Nummer. And that's what I think it is. It's, it's, it's Euro-Disco, and that's kind of quite popular in 2003. So for me, zwölf Punkte. I don't even know what language that was, but uh, I like it. Um, wow. 17 years on, Gemini, you're finally getting your first points. Congratulations, uh, as Sylvia Knight would say. Uh, any nil poires to carry on their normal record? Yeah, I'm going to give it a nil point again. I mean, it scarred the nation, didn't it? Like a few other events. Diana's death had a similar effect. Brexit. That time, Peter, Andre and Jordan sang A Whole New World. Kinger and the Bottle on Big Brother. Oh, yeah. That's that's niche, but yeah, that was that was embarrassing. If you were going to do a Jimmy Carr does the 100 most embarrassing moments in British culture, this is number one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Not Suez, is it? <laughs> I knew you wanted to try and shoehorn in a Middle East peace process point at some point, Simon. Here we go. He just wanted to talk about the Swiss again. He pronounced it next, wrong. Next podcast. In fact, no, we'll, we'll do an extra, we'll do a kind of like bonus disc edition of the podcast and we can we can debate whether or not Gemini is more, was more embarrassing for the UK or the Suez Canal crisis. I was going to say, if Jimmy Carr's not doing that rundown of 100 most embarrassing moments of British culture... Hey, there's a gap in the market. Something to do after we've run out of Eurovisions. <laughs> right, let's move on to predictions. So every week I ask the panellists to try and predict where they think the songs we're listening to finished at Eurovision this year. So the songs that we're listening to tonight came, we've got a nice spread through the show. One came second, one came sixth, one came tenth, one came thirteenth. And one came 26th and last with nil point. So uh, let's go to Simon. Simon, where do you think this song came? Uh, I know it came 26th. Um, and if you look at the woman's face, uh, I think she kind of knows it too after about six bars. <laughs> that is one of the, the one of the things that I find most entertaining about the performance is how palpable the panic is throughout <laughs> that is not just and, and i suppose that gives me some comfort that they know this is going badly like you see some songs that do badly that they're just sort of powering through they're they're carrying on these guys know this is going badly he looks like she's given up he's got he's got desperation in his eyes it's like every time he's cheering on the audience going come on it's like please help us <laughs> um yeah, no, they know this is going terribly, isn't it? Uh, Dan, Dan, where did you think this came? Well, I didn't know that this came 26, so I'm going with second. <laughs> <laughs> did you listen to it, Dan? Yeah, it's not as bad as you think it is. You've, you've, you've know, you know it comes, it comes last, so you're looking at it and thinking it's terrible. Whereas if you come at it with fresh eyes, 
it's I didn't so this has comes first in the playlist and I thought oh this isn't very good but then I moved on to the other four and came back and I went oh yeah no it's just kind of all right for the time so the thing the thing with Gemini is it's a terribly performed song but it's not like we've not sent scooch and been the sort of everyone saying oh look the British aren't taking it seriously anymore it's just we've sent a song and they really sing it terribly uh no one's laughing at us at this stage uh sort of intrinsically because we're british they're laughing at the out of tune singing uh so maybe we reacted a bit too extremely we sent a very safe song in 2004 um and and don't really ever recover but now time for song number two now the prediction game really starts up we are going to listen to belgium and their song is by a band called Urban Trad, and their song is called Sonomi. singing about dan do you want to take us through this one sure um so this is a nice peaceful song with um what i, I think are kind of persian cultural influences and i must admit this confused me a little bit at first because i did not something i kind of associate with belgium so i was not quite sure what the link was but i did a little bit of research and um so 14 percent of the population of, of belgium is moroccan and another seven percent are turkish so I, I can see that there might there might be a link there uh, I didn't get Yoki Papai vibes from it, uh, but I did get vibes of a certain episode of The Simpsons. And uh, hopefully fans at home will remember when uh, Bart joins a band and they make a music video. <laughs> and in the in the song are the words, join the Navy, sung backwards. like, even it near And that sounds exactly what it sounded like. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> um, I've been practicing. Um, but I think perhaps this song also has a similar subliminal meaning. So, so you also have no idea what it means, but uh, you think it means something subliminally for us. Yeah, like join join the navy. Yeah. <laughs> Simon, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I don't like it very much. Um, it's nice to kind of see that singing out of key was a, a theme this year, uh, <laughs> and for me, this one is is just as bad as Gemini, if not worse. Um, Sonomi, personally, I'd rather not. <laughs> so that is officially the worst pun of the pod of the of the series so far. The uh, thing I can't believe is the, the the way they've got it. They've got the two singers, and the first one, you know, basically isn't very good, and the second one is very good, but hardly ever does any singing. And clearly, she, I mean, what she looks like is like your primary school art teacher, and she's basically agreed to do it but on the one condition that, that she doesn't have to move very much. It's a lazy Macarena. <laughs> lazy Macarena. Hey. Um, Mini. Um, yeah, I agree with Simon. This kind of confirmed that there were at least tech issues on the night. They're very static. They're doing handography, I think you might call it. And mm. there's bagpipes. And nothing is good with bagpipes. 
points awarded that the bagpipes do sound like bagpipes so i was half expecting him to blow the bagpipes and it sound like an electric guitar like so many other <laughs> so many of the other instruments that get played points removed for the bagpipes sounding like bagpipes <laughs> so uh, one interesting fact that i found out not for 2003's eurovision but uh, for sort of eurovisions in the 90s was that um they any instruments that they were adding to the orchestra they needed to sort of display at least on stage Hence why in the um, performance of Gina G's Who Are Just a Little Bit, there are two large computers sitting on stage because they did not know how to show synths. So they put on computers on the stage. Um, let's come to Alex. I found this entry really creepy. Um, mm. It's almost a bit hypnotic, kind of, you know, witches in the coven performing a spell. Not really sure what it's all about. Can't quite work out, you know, is it a love song? Is it is it an angry song? Is it a happy song? And with the strange, weird hand movements, it's almost sort of like putting, you know, putting a spell on the audience. Vote, you know, vote, vote us for uh, for your 12 points. I'll be honest, I've gone off. I've gone off script. You know, I know we're supposed to come into this with fresh eyes and Phil. I'm probably going to preempt something you were going to say now. Oh, don't do that. I, I Googled it. Oh. I, I Googled the entry. Boo! And 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 Boo! you're gonna you're gonna tell me you're gonna tell us rather yeah. what uh, what I read, which is yeah. stunning. Okay, Simon, what do you think Alex is about to tell us? The pipe man was arrested for selling drugs to the rest of the band. The violin guy can't play the violin. It's good, but it's not right. Alex, go on then. If you if you know. Go and, and and spill the beans as to what this song is all about for Dan, us. Dan, I had I had to mute myself when you suggested that this reminded you of a Simpsons episode with a hidden message, whereby <laughs> the message was join the navy, uh, sung backwards, even Ed Niage, because having googled this, this is not this is not a language, this is a this is an imaginary language they're singing in, which is bizarre. Phil, you're going to tell us whether or not this has been done before on Eurovision, but I thought that was incredible to bring a song sung in an imaginary language to Eurovision. And get more points than Gemini is so damning of Gemini. Like a shit singer, Ross. <laughs> to, to answer your question, Alex, it had never been done before. No, it has been done a couple of times since, uh, only by uh, countries in the region. So uh, Belgium this year, Netherlands tried it in 2006, and then Belgium tried it again in 2008. Neither of the other two songs qualified with their songs in made-up languages. Uh, so... 12 and nil poise. Yeah, it's, this is getting my nil poise. I, I thought it was pretty terrible. Um, I think the performance is also really bad as well. I didn't find it that interesting. Okay, so one nil poise there, no dues poise. Um, predictions, where do we think this came? Mini. I'm going to say 13th. Okay, so the worst of the rest of the songs we're listening to tonight. It's a cursed number. It's a cursed number. So, we move on to song number three of the night. This song is comes from the lovely nation of Romania. This song is by Nicola, and the song is called Don't Break My Heart. Have you ever known 
I mean, I have to start by talking about the staging. They have uh, one singer in a sort of plasticky looking red suit uh, strolling around the stage, but she doesn't really interact with what's going on around her, where there is a, a small, what looks almost like a child DJ sat on the floor with a, a record player decks in front of him and oversized large records being presented to him throughout the song to play in the colours of the Romanian flag, of course, it's Eurovision. And then there's sort of two bandanaed gentlemen kung fu fighting around the stage with a ballerina, all whilst they are constantly shredding clothes to uh, give a new look to what's going on. And I honestly would say I think it's one of the most baffling pieces of staging in in Eurovision in a very long time. I don't know what is going on here, what it's supposed to represent, other than I, I got the Romanian coloured records. But apart from that, I don't get to see the connection to the song. I don't see what the hell is going on, even in the slightest. So on that note, I'm going to pass over to someone who has hopefully understood this song better than I have. Let's try Mini. Um, no, I did not understand this song. Phew. I quite enjoyed it because it is a drum and bass number, which is a bit of a novelty at Eurovision. Certainly uh, 2003. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very messy, but quite intriguing. It's very colourful. And, yeah, that's what's going on. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> Uh, fair enough. Uh, Alex, come to you. Sorry, Phil, I, I can't help either. I've not understood it. Um, like you, I've spotted the uh, angry child sat in the middle of the, the floor as if he's sort of been sent to his room and is going to play with his, uh, his his DJ deck for a while. It's a little bit like the kind of, you know, one of the sisters of the, the Tears for Fears duo has had a go at singing and, and it sounds a bit techno because it's that kind of real weird nasally singing style which i don't really like she sounds a bit um, like anastasia i think yeah it's just it's weird but not good weird it's not it's not kind of all novelty yet. that's good weird it's just weird the backing dancer situation as well one of them is dressed in all white with a kind of white bandana on which makes him look a little bit like a doctor and the way that he chases after her as part of the choreography it looks a little bit like he's kind of from an institution and he's her <laughs> handler um <laughs> Yeah, it's, I know exactly what you mean. It's just, just odd. And again, you know, my first note here is, God, this is shit too. I feel, I, you know, I do feel bad for Gemini because it's a thing that's this got points over them. It's a little bit unfair. Uh, yeah, we can. If if we're happy that Gemini got nil point, we can in, we can infer that all the other songs did get points and did do better than them. So there we go. Um, Dan, any Nostradamus-like insight as to what? Quite the hell is going on here? Uh, See, so you've you've all missed the point here. It's uh, it's quite clearly Austin Powers in his new film, The Spy Who Entered a Mediocre Song to Eurovision. <laughs> We're having a real battle this show for worst joke of the podcast. I did think her voice sounded um, strange. It sounded to me a bit like somebody trying to do a bad Mickey Mouse impression and then sing. You know, um... <laughs> it's a unique style. I mean, it was unique and I did like it in parts. Um, but overall, I think it might have been better if they just put the backing track on and an empty stage, to be honest. Simon, come on, round us out here. So um, I, I disagree with a lot of that. There are some problems with it. 
like the fact it's probably only got two lines of lyrics. But despite that, I do quite Did like it. Did you ever it. know? Sorry. <laughs> despite that, I do quite like it. I think, um, it, I, like many said, I think it's rare to see a kind of drum and bass slash techno-y number. Uh, and I thought this was actually quite a good one. I thought it's well sung as well. Um, it does look a little bit like the sort of um, introduction to the Romanian Power Rangers cartoon or something like that. <laughs> um this song disappoints me. Obviously, they you spend a lot of time looking at these massive oversized records, and I have to admit, I was expecting them to do something at some point. I was expecting something to happen, and maybe my expectations are too high of Eurovision. I want gimmicks. I want things that do something interesting. Uh, no, no, he just puts them on his deck, and that is it. Um, so... Uh, let's go on to 12 points. In comparison to the UK and Belgium, I felt some more positive vibes in the room. Uh, anyone want to give them their 12 points? Simon? Yeah, I would like to give this my 12 points. I think it's I think it's a good techno number. I, I can imagine myself listening to it again, which is not something I can say for any of the other songs tonight. Um, any other douze poids in the room? She looks like uh, a matrix harry hill to me and that's why he's getting my deuce point <laughs> if you can award points for anything it might as well be that right predictions where do we think this has come simon any thoughts i i can't see the people of europe liking this as much as i do i think this might come sort of 10th or 13th okay fair we'll move on to song number four once again we are covering the netherlands uh, as they send quite an upbeat poppy number. This is Esther Hart with her song, One More Night. One more night, or at least one more podcast to come. Simon, talk us through this one. Yeah, this is The Teachers from Your Secondary School, fronted by a milfy Britney Spears. <laughs> Sorry. Complete with crazy eyes, singing an up-tempo number about needing more time to pay off your loan shark. <laughs> it's surprisingly good, I think, uh, and it stands up better than a lot of the songs tonight, uh, unlike their outfits. Yeah, that, that gold katsu is um, is something. She can sing, unlike Britney Spears. It's a very generic Eurovision song. Well performed, quite pleasant, but it just sounds like a hundred other Eurovision songs. I sort of noted down that it's, you know, it's quite a pleasant, nice song. And I suspect a lot of sort of mothers in their 40s quite liked it and, and in my notes i've noted in, in, in the same way that a lot of mums quite liked um pharrell's happy just because it's so <laughs> accessible and flipping friendly to the point where it's actually a bit gut-wrenchingly oh yeah this is, this is too happy yes um, i agree it, it's it's pretty it's i'm gonna use the n-word it's pretty middling but you know what it's quite inoffensive simon you, you mentioned the, the teachers it did remind me of and this is going to be a reference for for us and potentially listeners that 
you know, when at school, their teachers put on the school Christmas panto. For our school Christmas panto, do you remember there was always sort of four female teachers that would shoehorn in a dance routine? It, not just teachers, Alex, substitute teachers. Sub yes, teachers. the substitute teachers. It's as if when they had their planning and production meeting for the panto, they would sit down and they would go, substitute teachers dance routine. What are we going to do this year? It reminded me a lot of that, which yeah. is not a good thing. Uh, one interesting point uh, I found in the research for this one was that uh, Miss Esther Hart also this year entered a song for the UK. Uh, she entered a song called Wait for the Moment, um, but eventually had to withdraw from that because she had been accepted into the, the Dutch competition, National Song Festival. I wonder what that translates as. So... I suppose whilst it would have been a different song, do you think she would have done a better job for us than Gemini? Uh, it feels like a dumbass question to ask, but uh, I'm going to ask it anyway. She can sing, so yes. <laughs> so, douze points for Das Netherlands. Yeah, I'm going to give it my douze points. Uh, I think we've had some shockers tonight, um, and by the fact that this was quite middling and the least offensive for me in terms of um, giving me tinnitus, it's going to get my douze point. Fair enough. And nil points from anyone? No. So, predictions. Uh, Dan, why don't I come to you? Yeah, it's a nice, happy, inoffensive song, isn't it? Um, I think if Gemini wasn't so incredible, this would have been my 12. So I could see this doing well. I'll go second. <laughs> There's something so jarring about someone saying if Gemini weren't so incredible. With that, we come to the infamous song number five. This year, we head off to Austria for our song number five. This is Alf Poyer with his song Veil de Mensch Salt. <laughs> Uh, Minnie. A blacklisted children's entertainer performs an ear-scraping nursery rhyme surrounded by the animals he's killed. <laughs> uh, just when you think it can't get any creepier, he starts doing pelvic thrusts and the song does a kind of rock breakdown. And so do we. <laughs> I will say that I think Dan will like this song because it mentions dead birds. Birds Thank you. flying high in the moonlight. Well, I'll just make a note of that. That might change my, my opinions at the end here. Uh, this song gave me Gildo vibes from uh, the German entry in 1998. Um, I don't think it's as good, though. It's just a bit weird. Uh, Gildo looked like he'd done a bit too much meth in his life. This guy's clearly on the biggest meth high of his life. It's something that looks like it might appeal to a children's TV show, you know, all the bright colours and everything. Um, and although the kids might love the random like heavy metal bits, it just doesn't do anything for me, to be honest. Yeah, Aus Aus Austrian CBBS look shit, doesn't it? I just I don't trust him. Does anyone else think that? 
Like he's oh. not got a t-shirt that fits and it doesn't look like he's blinked since 1995. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I wouldn't trust him in the slightest. Uh, certainly amongst the creepier uh, performers that we've ever had. You just know he's got a van. <laughs> a van with a mattress in the back. <laughs> Alex, come on, give us your thoughts. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't redeem this in any way i'm afraid um as you flagged it's got this weird kids tv show nursery rhyme thing going on but with this really odd crotch grab and kind of shredding of the guitar every 30 seconds or so i get it's obviously trying to be novelty um but it's a really bad and limp effort one of the things i find most disconcerting about this uh, performer uh, is that I can't tell whether he's wearing a hat or he has a very strange hairline. <laughs> also, he dances throughout the entire song without ever really moving from his location, which I find also disconcerting. Uh, right, OK, no one's really a fan of 2003's novelty act then. Let's go straight to the Nilquas then. I think we've got a couple still on the table. Alex? Yep, Nilquas, too creepy. Just awful. Okay. And Dan? Yeah, Neil for me as well. I think you touched on a, on a good point when you said that he kind of stands still in the middle of the stage the whole time. Gildo was up and jumping around going all sorts of places. That's kind of one of the big differences for me between these two acts. Yeah. So, uh, predictions. Dan? Do you know, I really hate this, but uh, if this has come top half, it's not going to be a middle, middle of the road. I reckon this is probably sixth. Oh, that would be quite the position, wouldn't it? Uh, so, to um, break tension, please wait with bated breath. In last place, in 26th, it was actually the UK. This is brand new information. <laughs> Thank you, Phoebe. Uh, in 13th, it was the Netherlands. Ooh. With wow. one more day. In 10th, it was Romania. In, I know, it, as I continue to run through these, it just beggars belief, doesn't it? Um, in in sixth place, it was Austria, which means in second place, just two points off the winning song, was Belgium with Sonomi. In its imaginary language. In its imaginary language, with its sign language dancing and the art teacher and the bagpipes and the fucking violin and flute. And accordion. And accordion. Is that what it was? Yeah. I mean, I usually try and look out for songs that finish above or below where they should for this podcast. And when I was looking at all the positionings for Eurovision 2003... Literally everyone made me laugh or cry. It was shocking, really shocking. Nothing lands in a good place for where it should be. Uh, so, wow. So, anyway, uh, thanks to Sertab Erna. God, I need to perk on my pronunciation for this podcast. Uh, we are off to Turkey next year and Istanbul. But not on this podcast no next year it's the big one it's the one that everyone's been asking us to cover and i finally relented 
and I'm letting you guys pick. This is Eurovision 2016. We are heading to Stockholm. We have some absolutely legendary performances to cover. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Tune in next week to hear us cover potentially one of the greatest Eurovision Song Contests of all time. Uh, so on that note, it's goodbye from them. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. So she was she was uh, 32. Wow. performance. So. So Milfy Britney Spears stands yeah, up. Yeah. Well, 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 I don't know. I mean, what? When do you? When does one become a mill? I suppose she, she a mother. That's the that's the first question, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you ask me, that's offensive. Yeah.